Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. How are we, church? Good? It's good to be with you all. You excited to be here or what? You excited about that 1030 time change or, you know, if you're not, we're just not going to talk about it. We're going to be excited, aren't we? We're going to choose joy. Joy is our default. Um, if you are just joining us this morning, uh, maybe you weren't with us last week, but you've been with us over the summer. We've been doing a series that we're simply calling Summer in the Psalms. And over the summer, what we've done is we've tackled not just some specific psalms, looking for their message and, and the richness that is in those specific uh, poems or songs. Uh, we've also been looking at maybe some themes in the psalms. And over this last couple weeks, uh, last week I tackled the topic of grief. This week we'll tackle the topic of lament. Those two things go hand in hand, and we'll walk through that today. Um, but last week, even just opening up grief, I felt like I just kind of said the word grief, and people just started crying. Um, you should have seen, like, my vantage point from the stage just looking out. Uh, clearly, the emotion and just the tenderness was palpable in the room. And I know that means that we're probably a people who walk through grief, but maybe even what it means more is that somebody who finally gave you a little bit of permission to, to experience that grief or to sit in that grief— was significant because we don't talk about it all that often. I, I got some messages this week that were just, hey, thank you so much for, for opening that, for sharing that. Um, I have been trying to process. I have been trying not to process, and it was good for me to just sit in it. But my hope in bringing it up, this is what I said last week, but I'll reiterate it this morning. I don't want to just bring these topics up to make us sad. I want to bring these topics up to direct our hope somewhere, right? And so grief, we said this last week, is the heartfelt shaken sorrow over loss. And I don't know if you felt that feeling yet. Maybe you've just walked a pretty rosy life so far. This feeling, this emotion is coming for everyone. It does not matter who you are. To be human is to be acquainted with the emotion of grief at some point in your life. This is what you will encounter. And it is a heartfelt, deep, troubling, shaken experience of sorrow over loss. I said last week, all change creates loss and all loss requires grief. And so grief is not just uh, when you are sad about the loss of human life. If you lose somebody you love, though that does create grief in our life, uh, it also is just as grieving sometimes to say, I thought my life would look different by now. I thought this situation would be different by now. I, I thought we would have kids. I thought I would have the job. I thought I would still have my husband. I, there are so many different levels to grief. And nobody Nobody is unexposed to the risk of grief in life. It's inevitable for all of us. And so what we will do today is not just talk about the emotion of grief. Last week, we talked about how everyone feels grief and what we need to do is press into this hope in the already not yet. This week, I wanna give us a tool for while we are sitting in grief and that is the word lament. Lament. Lament, just to put a definition to it early on, is a loud cry, a howl. I, I don't expect to hear any howls in the room today, okay? If you feel like you need to howl, maybe just step outside for just a moment, because I just don't know how I would process that up here, honestly, if that happened. But this is straight off the internet dictionary, you know, so we're going to take it as, as what it is. A loud cry, a howl, or really just hone in on this last few words, a, a passionate expression of grief. And so if you've grieved, you, you know probably what it is like to lament. But, but not everyone can lament. Lament is a distinctly Christian response to pain. Everyone can cry. Everyone knows as a human being what it is like to cry. Nobody in this room, I'm guessing, I wasn't there, but I'm guessing that nobody entered into this world apart from tears. 
That is one of the most refreshing sounds. I remember when one of our babies was born, it took a minute and it just kind of takes a second. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And they start crying. And you're like, praise Jesus, they're crying, you know? Everyone knows what it's like to cry, but only Christians can lament. Uh, one of the things that I had read said, uh, lament is prayer set to a minor key. I love that for you mus musicians in the room. It, it is worship sang with a minor melody. It, it is a response that is directed towards God where we turn to him that he would deepen our trust in the cries of our heart. That is what lament is, this passionate expression of grief. The first thing, what I want to do is I want to just walk us through, really, I found four helpful steps for lament in this book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. If these last two weeks have been significant for you and you want more reading, I would encourage you to read this book. I think it was fantastic for how to process and walk through grief. My, this, it kind of got a number taken to it. It rained a lot this summer, okay? And it got wet and it's ruined and it's Robin's book. So, whoops. Um, finished it on Audible. Anybody else in the room? Okay. Um, really a helpful tool though. I would just say if you are, if you are going through the thicket of, of grief, of loss, of sorrow, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogoff. And then um, I would also recommend to you Pete Scazzaro, who does a lot of work with emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy discipleship, emotionally healthy church. Um, Pete and his podcast, I, I would just look them up if you want a continued education on this topic. Because I, I only in two weeks am going to be able to scratch the, scratch the surface, but I'm guessing that the pain and maybe the trauma and the hurt lingers a lot deeper than what we can just tackle in a couple weeks. And so if you want to look deeper into that, I would go there. But what we'll turn to today is Psalm 22. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Psalm 22. I expressed this last week, but, but really there are about 60 psalms, 60, 60, that are categorized as songs of lament, psalms of lament. And so there's all different kinds of lament. There's personal lament where someone's crying out to God. You see this all the time with David. David, man, it is refreshing to read through the Psalms, is it not, as just a regular human being? Because David has these high highs and he's like, if I go to the mountaintops, you're there. And then he has these low lows. He's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's almost as you just ride the tides of the Psalms. You're just riding through all of us, what an experience, what an experience to be human is like, you know? I love that David gives us those permission for those uh, emotions. But we don't just have individual lament. There's corporate lament. There, there are songs sang by the nation of Israel lamenting what is happening to them or where they have drifted to or the things that are going wrong in the world. There, there's a corporate lament. There's also a lament for repentance where it's just as I can't believe that I've grieved the Lord that I've done this. And there's a, a heart cry, this expression of grief over your own personal decisions. There's lament, a crying out for justice. I'm grieving about the state of the world. I'm just asking God that your justice would be done here. Gosh, don't we, we should know that tool in the world we're living in today, right? Yes, you can light your keyboard on fire in the comment section on Facebook, but I would actually submit to you that lamenting and prayerfully turning to God set in a minor key would be way more helpful than any comment section that you could blow up on Facebook. Amen, somebody, right? It's lament. It's, it's crying out to God over various different things. Today, what we're going to focus on is the expression of grief personally. How do we lament personally? Psalm 22, starting in verse 1. I'm going to, I'm going to read through various uh, verses in this psalm. It's a lengthier psalm, so I'd encourage you, write this one down, circle back to it this week at some point. But I'll just start by reading the first five verses. There's a psalm written by David, starting out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now listen, I don't know if that 
word has ever come out of your mouth before, if that verse has ever come out of your mouth before, maybe you're not that Christianese in how you talk. But my guess is you've prayed something along those lines of, God, where were you? I don't know what the situation looked like, but have you ever just stopped and cried out, God, why? Why didn't you show up? You could have been there. Where were you when? Right? We don't use this word forsaken that often, but that's what David's crying out. He's going, God, how come you left me there out to dry? You didn't show up. You didn't intervene. I prayed. I cried out. I reached out to you. Nothing. Have you felt like that before? Have you had that cry out to God and it's been like crickets on the other end of the line? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Sometimes you can pray with the most fervent, diligent, consistent prayer, and it feels like you are as far away from God as you've ever been. Have you been there? Where'd you go? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Sometimes grief carries with you long throughout the day when you should be distracted by work or you should be distracted by other things, but you just are kind of numb and glazed over. I've walked with people like that. And then they try to find some reprieve. And actually, a lot of people in grief say that nights are the hardest. It's where it's the most lonely. It's where it's the most troublesome, where it's just you and your thoughts endlessly running around and around and around. David's having one of those moments. I'm crying out by day and by night, I get no rest. I can't sleep. Yet, yet, God, you are holy. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In your father, in you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and they were not put to shame. So like I said, this goes on and on and on, but four, four steps to lamenting well as believers. The first is we turn to God. This should not be a surprise to us, but, but the first four words of this psalm, of this lament psalm are what? My God my God. Do you notice how David has his big questions? He has his big frustrations. He's, he's angry in the moment. He's feeling lonely. He's desperate. And where does he take that desperation? To God. To God. It's not that different than when Jesus says, we, we just sang it in the worship set, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Peter writing, cast your anxieties onto him. As in, bring your anxiousness, bring your frustrations, bring your questions, bring your weary soul to God because he's the one who will give you rest. He's the one who will hear your prayer. He is the one who can help you. In turning to God, what you're acknowledging is that you are powerless to help the outcome of the situation that you're stuck in right now. Whether it's loss, whether it's pain, or whether it's your own just knucklehead decision-making, right? You're going, God, I need you to help me out here. That is what lament starts with, is coming to God. I, I think there's more work that I need to do with this in my brain, but let me just kind of deposit this with you here for just a sec. There's this like sweeping trend of deconstruction in our nation right now, right? Where people are kind of taking their faith and they're just going, well, God didn't really work out for me. And they're kind of pulling apart the pieces. And I think in the intent, there is some rightness in trying to strip it back to what like matters most. But a lot of people get left in the wake of deconstruction, not following after Jesus at all not wanting to be connected to a church at all. And, and I think, I think that if we submitted to people who are walking through the pain of deconstruction or the pain of asking God big questions, and we said, hey, have you tried lamenting? I do wonder if that would pull some people back in a positive direction. We go, it's, it's okay to have these questions. And actually, God is the most equipped to handle these questions that you have. Because if they're on your mind and they're on your heart, God already knows about them anyways. Have you thought about that? If you're frustrated with God, 
Don't you think he knows you're already frustrated with him? That's the cool thing. Sometimes, sometimes my wife may or may not be frustrated with her and I kind of have to ask those questions, right? God, God's not like that. He knows what I'm thinking before I think it. He knows what I'm going to say before I say it. And so when we lament, the first step is turning to God and acknowledging that he is the one who is going to help us. The second step then when we, or let me, sorry, let me go to Psalm 77. We're going we're gonna to blip through several different Psalms where we'll see it throughout the Psalms. But Psalm 77 says, I cry aloud to God. I cry aloud to God and he will hear me. Notice how the psalmist is turning his attention towards the Lord. I'm crying aloud to him because he'll hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. The first thing we do is we bring our lament, bring our grief to God. The second thing that we do is we submit our complaint to God. Now, even like, as I wrote that point out, I was like, am I going to get struck by lightning as soon as that falls out of my mouth? You know, <laughs> complain to God. He's God, right? W- what am I going to do? But, but genuinely throughout the Psalms are filled with people's complaints towards God. Psalm 10:1. why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Like the psalmist is crying out, the nation of Israel is under attack in Psalm 10. And he's like, why are you far away when we need you the most? Why do you stand far off? Is he actually far off? No, but there is a complaint that's being submitted here because God feels like he's far away. Psalm 35, 17. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. How long are you just going to sit back and wait, God? Are, like, are you going to intervene, Jesus? Are you going to help me out? How long are you going to stand far away? Psalm 44, verse 23. Awake. Golly, God, wake up. Hello. Are you sleeping on the job here? I need your help. Wake up from your sleep. Why are you sleeping on me, Lord? Why are you just letting me suffer right now? Rouse yourself. Don't reject me forever. Like if you read this, And if you're honest about your own complaints that you've had to submit to the Lord, there are times, I guarantee you, for some of you in this room, you felt completely rejected by God. Because to wrestle with some of the attributes of God is to acknowledge the gap of what we see in our life that we live in. Here's what I mean. God is totally sovereign, isn't he? He's the sovereign king of kings and suffering exists. There's a gap there, isn't it? God is loving, isn't he? And pain is real, isn't it? You feel that tension, that gap? And I would say, if if you don't feel the tension, you're really just not wading into the conversation that thoughtfully. But to acknowledge these attributes of God and to recognize the pain and the hurting in this world is is to step into the tension a little bit and to have some questions and maybe even some complaints if you're bold enough. Here's the key though with complaining. We don't like the way Mark put it in this book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. He said, you don't want to get stuck in the cul-de-sac of complaint. I love that. Just going around and around and around. And you're just like, okay, you've made this point already. Time to move on to a different street. You know, we don't want to get stuck in a cul-de-sac and complaint. But on the other hand, we don't want to suffer in silence either. I'll say it this way. You can write this down. Silent despair is significantly more dangerous to your faith than raw lament. See, I think we somehow wire us as the church to think in a certain way. That if I have a lament that's too raw and too real, well, then God, you know, is going to smoke me probably because he's going to be mad. But I would say it is way worse to just suffer in silence and to sit back and say nothing. You think about this relationally with just other human beings. 
obviously, like our human relationships, give some sort of weight to the character and attributes of who God is, that, because he made us to interact in a certain way. And if you have a relationship that's all too quiet, it's probably not all too healthy. If there's not some communication going on there, it's probably, it's probably not going so well. You don't want to suffer in silence. You got to sometimes, sometimes you got to let the rumble happen. You know what I mean? I remember we were in our 20s and we were going through this college group and uh, we were all kind of like young married, you know, so just think kind of dumb trying to figure it out, right? And we were talking to each other about it all. And I had this one friend chime in. He was like, he's like, man, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. My wife and I, we never fight. Literally, words out of his mouth. It's like, wow, you, ne- you never fight. Like, yeah, we never fight. He's like, I mean, I sleep on the couch sometimes, but we never fight. <laughs> it's like, okay. You just, you just never f- actually engage in arguing. You, actually, you, just, you never engage in conflict. And so your conflict is silent, which is way worse than just getting it out in the open, isn't it? You think about that relationally, how that interacts with a, a roommate or a friend or, or a significant other, your spouse. Think about it with God. Again, God already knows the complaints that are on your heart. You might as well get them out in the open, not for his sake. He already knows them, but for your sake, so you can articulate them. God, where were you when? Why, why didn't you show up? Why were you sleeping when I needed you here? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you just totally left me out to dry? So the first thing is, is we, we turn to God. We complain to God. And we want to be careful and complain that we don't, we don't fall into over-complaining and we don't fall into suffering in silence. And we want to complain. Here, here's the other piece of that. We want to complain with loads and loads and loads of humility and honesty. So when you're complaining to God, I I would think it's actually a good idea that you would submit some humility into the conversation to understand that his thoughts are not like your thoughts and his ways are not like your ways. And he's actually higher than you than the heavens are from the earth. In other words, we serve a big God and some of the things that are happening in this world are beyond our comprehension. And yet he cares and he sees and he wants to meet with you. You just might not understand all of it, what God is doing with your three and a half pound brain. And I've said it before, I'll say it probably a billion other times. Like, I'm thankful to serve a God that I can't fully understand. Right? So we don't want to come in with this kind of posture of arrogance, accusing all these certain things. No, we want to come with the humility that actually praise God's attributes back to him. God, I know that you're loving and kind. I just, where were you here when your loving kindness was not being felt in this situation? God, I know that you love that person, but why are they suffering like this? I'd want that to end. God, God you, you say that you want us to be fruitful and multiply and, and we're trying and, and there are still no kids that we have to speak of. I mean, think about these different things that we can, we can go, God, this is who you say you are. This is what you say you want to do. And I'm coming here just submitting to you that, that it's not happening, Lord. And so what's going on? And so that's where we turn our complaint then into a bold ask to God. We want to ask boldly when we're lamenting. Whatever the situation is, whatever the breakthrough that we need to have happen, whatever the miracle Whatever intervention, we're going, God, won't you step in and make a way where there is no way? That's the third step of every lament is to ask God boldly to do something. Psalm twenty-two, eleven: be not far from me, God, for, for trouble is near. There is no one to help me. There's no help. This is in Psalm 22, where David in the same prayer, in the same st- so, uh, song, starts to flip from, God, why have you forsaken me? To God, Help me. Get involved here. Don't be far from me. Psalm 10, 12. Arise, O Lord. There are so many Psalms of just arise. God, get up. Do your thing. Show off. 
Show up and show out, God. Do, do your thing. Be big, be strong, be mighty. Arise, O Lord. Lift up your hand and forget not the afflicted. Psalm 83, starting in verse 16. Fill their faces with shame. This is a, this is a psalm asking for lament in uh, asking for justice. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. When we come into lament, we're not just coming to complain. We're letting our complaint, we're letting our attention towards God open up a doorway for us to stand now in the gap of pain and promise. This is what we talked about last week. We live in the already, not yet. Already Jesus has purchased a lot for me on the cross and not yet do I get to realize all those things perfectly. Do you, do you see that? You follow that from last week? And so what lament does is it's an honest, heartfelt cry, an expression of grief in the middle of pain and promise. God, I know you're good. I know that your word says that by your stripes, I am healed. So I'm gonna ask for healing right now, God. I'm gonna come before your throne with boldness. I'm gonna draw near with confidence, knowing that I have a great high priest who empathizes with me. And I'm gonna ask big questions from you right now, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if you would come and you would heal. I'm gonna see if you would come and you would deliver. I'm gonna see if you would come and show up in this situation. We ask for big things when we come in lament. God, won't you just show off your power? And all of that then leads us to the fourth step of lament, which is to trust in God. Psalm 22, verse 26. David continues writing. He says, and the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. In the moment when David's writing this, the afflicted are, are not eating and being satisfied yet. But they shall be. And he's trusting in that. Those who, those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. What is this? This is David crying out in a future tense that we would continually use our pain to trust you. Here's the most frustrating part of this whole sermon right here. We're Americans. And so we like really like linear mechanistic uh, sermons that will like get us to a certain point where it's like, if I do A, and then I come back to B, and then I do C, and I write down D, then I'll be helped. Like that's, that is ultimately how we kind of want every sermon to go. You know what I mean? I don't know if you feel that as much as I feel that, but we want to ultimately always lead us towards this kind of like robotic uh, mechanism where all of a sudden the fix is at the very end. Here's the problem with lament. The point of lament is not fixing your problems. The point of lament is deepening your trust in God during your problems. And I wish I had a better answer for you this morning. But lament is not just a one-time thing where you cry out to God and you go, ah, oh, I'm better. Sweet. Move on. No, what we do when we lament is we're continually redirecting what we're trusting in. Maybe we're starting to realize that other things we put our trust in, our health, our marriage, our identity, those things are starting to crumble because we put them outside of Jesus. And so maybe when the suffering and the pain is happening around us, maybe that's not what you're suffering or, or going through it right now. Maybe you're just sad. Maybe you're just heartbroken. But all of that is leading you to a spot where you just go, God, I'm turning to you. I'm, I'm a little mad at this right now. I'm frustrated this isn't happening right now. And I'm asking that you would intervene here. And now all I have left to do is trust that you're going to do something with that. Because trust is not just a decision. You can write, say it this way but an active patience in the midst of pain. Lament is the continual opportunity for you to bring your frustration with God and then to hold the outcome open-handed, trusting that God heard you, 
that he cares about you, and that some situations aren't going to get better until glory. And again, I wish I had a better answer for you. I think, uh, you know, we don't, we don't sing a lot of psalms or songs of laments, but there is this hymn that I found that's in this book. And uh, it's, it's called God Moves in Mysterious Ways. And it's by uh, the author, is in the 1700s, William Cooper. If you go to Google it, his last name's spelled totally wrong. It's C-O-W-P-E-R. So, but it's pronounced Cooper, just so you know. And I think that, that title, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, don't we, we just like to bumper sticker that right onto bad situations, don't we? Like, you know, your friend's like going through a divorce and you're like, well, hey, don't forget, God moves in mysterious ways. And it's like, thanks, not helpful, you know? Uh, actually, the term for that, there's a real term, it's called spiritual bypass, where you just put like spiritual platitudes or spiritual answers onto really raw, hurting situations in a way to just completely bypass those emotions, which is not a helpful thing, by the way. Rather, what we should do is, is understand what's causing pain and I would say this, if any of you have kids in the room or if you have grandkids in your life at all, or if you just have young people that are turning to you, like the younger generations behind us right now are no longer tolerating answers. Well, it just because God said so. That, that actually maybe did work for some of you older generations in the room. Some of you like in the baby boomer generation, for sure. Like Barna has studied this to say like, man, the answer like, well, because God said was actually good for you. You're like, cool, God said, great. Like for the younger generations now though, they're like, no, no, my questions are deeper than that. And I think one of the best things you could do with some of your kids or some of the young people in your life that are walking through pain and heartache and hardship is to not, not just totally spiritually bypass with some bumper sticker theology. God moves in mysterious ways, kid, buck up, you know? No, like sit in that a little bit with them and help chaperone them through that pain in a way that goes, hey, that is, it's actually a really good question. I don't think I have it all figured out myself but maybe together we can turn towards Jesus and we can ask him for some answers too. Maybe you can bring those questions. Maybe you can bring that hurt. Maybe we can just submit that to God and maybe he will hear us and maybe he'll show up. And if he doesn't, I'm just gonna keep holding your hand through it. Keep directing that pain towards Jesus and the young people in our life, amen? So this hymn though, I just wanna read this. I think it's really just really, really well said. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. I want to look at this last line for sure. His purpose will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Why are you going through this? I don't know. I'm sorry. But one day, th this will pass. These things will ripen eventually. And this bud right now that you're walking through might have a bitter taste in your mouth, but it, it will be sweet one day. One day. I think the best thing that I can maybe submit to you right now is that... Uh, one of the best things about following Jesus is that he doesn't leave us in these pieces of lament or this pain of lament alone. Jesus, in fact, was a man, like we said it last week, he was acquainted with sorrows. Um, he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus was a man who lamented. Actually, the 22nd Psalm, you might not know it that well from the 22nd Psalm, but these are some of Jesus's very last words that he quotes from this Psalm. I know it's not Easter, 
but I'm going to read a section of Mark 15 for us real quick. Um, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday in the church, so that's okay. We can do that, right? It says in uh, Mark 15, starting in verse 26, And the inscription of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him. They mocked him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests whom the scribes mocked to one another, saying, He saved himself, or he saved others. He can't save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him and also reviled him. You think about our Savior, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God, the God of heaven and earth, stuck to a cross. These people are mocking him. You saved other people, save yourself. You said you'd rebuild the temple in three days. What are you doing up there? And he's getting mocked, derided. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever thought about Jesus like that? That he, he knew how to lament. I mean, you can follow the story from the Garden of Gethsemane. When he's, when he's weeping so hard, he's, he's sweating, he's, he's producing blood from his own skin. And he's saying, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will be done, but yours, O Lord. And then on the cross, he's hanging there. He's dying. He's, he's working for every single pain-filled breath. He cries out, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you left me here? And the point of Jesus' lament was not to deliver him from that pain in that moment, but it was to deepen his trust in the Father. So it is with you and me. That God doesn't immediately just yoink us up out of our grief and just plaster everything with roses and cupcakes just to make it all feel better. No, sometimes the grief just sticks. Sometimes the sorrow goes on longer than we want. And the point of a good, healthy lament where we turn to God, submit our complaint to him, trust in him, ask for a bold, ask for a bold situation to work itself out and trust him in the process is that we would continually just deepen our trust in him, not in a one-time event, but that we'd continually be reminded and come back to him. We're going to receive communion today. And so if you didn't grab it um, on the way in, if you don't have it with you, you can slip your hand up in the air. And the Gagnons are coming in right now. They'll hand you some if you need some. The amazing thing with communion is we're not just remembering what Christ has done. There's definitely a good bit of that as we look back and remember Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. But it struck me first service, I didn't even think of it until I was looking at this verse. We always put this slide up when we're receiving communion. This is Paul quoting Jesus saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so when we receive communion, absolutely, we're remembering that Christ has bought some things for us on the cross and we're in the middle of pain and promise. And so what's that last line? It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so here's my encouragement in communion today. Bring your laments into this space. Don't suffer silently. Express your despair. I'm not saying howl if you want to howl. Maybe you're going to howl on your way home by when you're in your car. But can we have an honest expression of our grief today? Can you be frustrated? 
surrendering that to the Lord, going, God, I, I want to trust you here. I want to deepen in my trust with you. But right now, this is really hard. That's what communion's for too. Just as much as it is for celebrating the, the continual reminder of his grace and his mercy towards us, it's also for an authentic relationship where we experience God right now in this moment. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the last few minutes of service here. And I want you just to have a moment with the Holy Spirit and the Lord. And, and our invitation always is, even if you're not a member here, um, you're not a part of Good Shepherd Church officially as part of our family, that's not as important to us in receiving communion. What is really important, uh, because it's important in the word, is that you have an authentic relationship with Jesus in this moment. And so if you're not walking with Jesus, if you're not trusting him with your life, then this moment is not yet for you. And I, I can't wait for the moment that it is for you because I think that Jesus would, would love to meet you in this space. And if you ever want to talk about that, I'm up here. Prayer team's up here every single week. We'd love to walk you into a life with Jesus, into that kind of relationship. But, but this sacrament, this moment, is not just us thinking about Jesus. It's us participating in his broken body and his spilled blood on our behalf. And so it's not just eating and drinking. It's as much of a spiritual mystery as well. So that's my invitation to all of us. Would we just spend a few minutes here focusing our attention to God? If we need to lament, let's lament. And let's, let's be honest and ask God to intervene in a big way. And let's ask him most importantly for every single person in the room to deepen our trust in him. I think especially for anyone who's walking through some grief, been through some sorrow, if you would just, would you just kind of posture yourself, just align your body with how you're feeling in your heart. We're just going, God, we're, we're desperate for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and would you continually minister to my hurting friends in the room. Jesus, help us be a people that, that can lament to give ourselves the permission to, to take that emotion, to take that feeling, the frustration, the sadness, and would you help us direct it towards you? Would you help us not get stuck just whining and complaining? We don't want to be there, God, but we also don't want to just pretend like it's not a real issue. So help us bring things to you. Help us to ask and pray in big faith and trust you with the outcome. God, I pray that you'd continue to heal and work through the grieving people in this room. Help lead them to a brighter day, God, if they're walking through some, just some dark times right now. Pray that we'd be a community that would wrap around the pain well, we'd give permission for, for those sort of emotions to exist. And would we, would we come alongside people in a real loving and tender kind of way here? And for all of us, God, I do just pray that you, would you help us have a deep trusting relationship with you? God, if you need to, shake up the idols in our life a little bit. Maybe we've put too much trust or hope in different places that are misplaced. God, would you help us before life crumbles a little bit, would you help us get directed on the right path where we trust you and turn to you, you alone? Help us as we walk out of here today after these last couple of weeks. God, help us be a light and a, and a witness, a, a loving shoulder maybe to cry on for some of the hurting and grieving people in our community, in our life. Help us lead other people into lament well. Help us sit with other people in their grief. God, we trust you ultimately, and we want you to be glorified in everything we do. The church all prayed together and said, amen. 